And I think that racism on all levels is traumatic and awful. I think that when we talk about the mental disorder aspect of it, I think that you could Mm -hmm. probably separate delusional disorder from, from ignorance, right? Welcome to Affected By, a weekly podcast that explores the way COVID-19 is affecting our professional lives, how we cope, pivot, and make it work at work. I'm Tamara. And I'm Pavel. And we are live event producers who, like millions of others in our industry, have been impacted by the current pandemic. So we decided to make the most of our downtime and talk to people from different industries to find out how they are transforming their work experience finding inspiration, and figuring out how to keep working and stay sane in the process. And we are back. We've been working on something really special and really meaningful. So it took us a minute, but we are finally back in your ear. Yes. And as Pavel alluded to, we have a very special episode that we recorded with our friends, Melanie and Tamala, for their podcast, which is called Me, Myself, I, and You. And we talk about being affected by racism. Right. So we actually covered a lot of ground and and we really went all in on this topic. Uh, the conversation that you'll hear today is a result of, you know, the four of us getting together and, you know, talking about the state of this country, like specifically with respect to to race and racial identity. And it was really interesting to explore the topic of, um, and we ask ourselves that question, and to explore whether racism can be classified as a mental illness. Yep, it was, um, it was a really, really good conversation. And keep listening here, and you will hear the first 10 minutes of our conversation. Great, so let's jump right into the first 10 minutes, and we'll be back after the clip. All right, so over the past year, we have spent a lot of time having open conversations about systemic racism. And I think that in order to fully grasp the concept of racism, um, we have to, for lack of a better word, understand the racist. Uh, We talk a lot about getting to the root of a situation or the root, as Melanie getting down to the root. Um, And I'm not talking about the casual racist who acts out of ignorance. I am talking about white supremacists and extreme racism, right? And on a couple of different occasions, Melanie has brought up the theory or the ideal that racism is a mental disorder. And there are several professionals who align white supremacy with a form of delusional disorder. Uh, Delusional disorder can be defined as an unshakable belief in something untrue and when a person can't tell what's real from what is unreal. Mel, do you have any additional thoughts that you would like to add to that? I think that the idea of a casual racist is really interesting to me because I don't think that I don't think racism is casual. Sure. And I think I think what I'm thinking is more of like the the microaggression versus the clan member. So sure. And so that and so that's when we talk about like the iceberg, right? It's like the overt yeah. racism, which everybody knows you can't say. And I, I think that, you know, you know, there's a difference between the N-word with the hard R and, and the other one, right? Mm-hmm. And there are people who have a really hard time with that. Um, and everyone knows you shouldn't say that word. Um, but what they don't know is that you shouldn't touch someone's hair and ask them if they got it done last week. How do you make that happen? And all those wonderful, or tell somebody that they shouldn't be in first class. 
and to push them out of the way because you've sure. made this, you have this bias and this preconceived notion, right? So, but this is where I think when we start talking about, like, I guess when I poke at the casual word, I poke at the casual word because I don't want to deal with any of it anymore. Absolutely. And I think that racism on all levels is traumatic and awful. I think that when we talk about the mental disorder aspect of it, I think that you could mm-hmm. probably separate delusional disorder from from ignorance, right? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could. If you separate, if you separate it, though, you have to. In separation, allows. Um, I guess if you separate it, you're kind of saying that there's a different set of rules for different kinds of racism, right? Mm-hmm. If you, um, is it okay to? Um, is it is it okay to casually say the n word? Is it okay to casually be offensive um, when talking about um, Jewish people? Is it okay to be casually offensive or make a joke at a party um, when you're talking about Muslims? Um, and when we talk about it being a mental disorder, well, that's a very different thing because <clears throat> in a lot of ways there are folks that would argue that that's tied to some kind of abuse that creates a mental disorder. And these are traumatic, or these are trauma responses, right? To like, oh, it's funny, right? It's really, really, really funny. You're laughing. We're all laughing. It's not fucking funny to some people. And I think that that's the part that's a little bit confusing about when we start to kind of, it's almost like making an excuse. I believe that if you are hit over the head if you're told you're ugly every single day, you're going to walk out thinking you're ugly. So if you hear out into the world, I would say, not like out of a box, but like if you, <clears throat> if you are told every single day in subtle ways that black people are less than you and you were held up in a society that's propping you up just with tons of white supremacy, well, guess what? And then my question is to folks who argue, you know, <laughs> they argue about the N-word in particular, which I find really fascinating because they've heard it at the dinner table. White supremacy props them up and tells them that they can say, well, how come I can't say it? You say it all the time. And my question back to those people is, why the fuck do you want to say it? Why do you want to say it? Like, what, like what, is so, what is so exciting about that? And so that's where I, I struggle because how much of a, how much breathing room can I give casual racism versus what may be deemed as a mental illness if you're if it's being beaten to you over and over again as you're growing up versus so basically a learned response or you're just evil and how do I tell which is which it's arguable that somebody calling me the n-word is just as bad as the microaggressions that happen in the workplace every day because those happen over time it's like it's like being waterboarded Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know what I mean and that's that's the best way I can equate microaggressions. Microaggressions feel like to me, like being waterboarded and it's the worst. Slow torture. It's a slow torture. You always know it's happening to you and it's this constant drip. But when somebody is overtly racist to you, which also happens, you can go, you're an evil person, but we give the person who does the microaggression a pass because maybe they just need to be educated. And so how much breathing, my question back is how much breathing room do we give it and call it casual? I don't know. Yeah. I I, I don't know either. And I I think that, 
using the the iceberg analogy is is a great one because there are so many different layers to racism um and what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable and at what mm-hmm. point do we stop accepting any of it right yeah. or excusing any of it and so yeah. and I don't want to jump ahead this is such a huge conversation and and just talking about the the mental aspects of it and the idea that one race is superior over the other mm-hmm. is it's just a huge chunk of that. Um, Tamara, do you have any thoughts about uh, the the mental disorder idea of of extreme racism or racism? Uh, let's take extreme out of it, right? I have a hard time with the statement racism is a mental illness, um, just because I think it gives it can potentially give people a pass. Um, You know, it's like, you know, as Melanie was saying, what's the difference between somebody who's learning it every day, they're hearing it, they're hearing it, they're hearing it, and you're learning it, and then you're saying it, and then you're, or you're believing it, and then you're saying it. So like, I just, um, I have a hard time with that, with that thought. It feels very learned to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then although I do think that if you have a mental illness, um, that you can a symptom may be racism or that you say racist things, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it is the mental illness. I think it can present as a symptom, though. That makes really good sense. Um, and I think that's part of the reason. So I I did some research obviously before coming into this conversation and. Um, during the civil rights movement, there was a group of black psychiatrists who went to the American Psychiatric Association with the idea that, hey, this is one way to treat this, right? Racism is a mental disorder. These are the reasons why. And continually since that time, the American Psychiatric Association has refused to recognize extreme racism as a mental disorder because um, the idea that racism is so inherent in our culture and so woven in in who we are as a country, right? So so I I think that that is a lot of what I hear you saying. Um, Pavel, do you have any thoughts? I mean, my thought in especially preparing for this episode and when we first started talking, I, I was extremely excited about tackling this because I had probably... Um, a very different opinion on this going in because when you mm-hmm. first mentioned the the, the topic or, or or actually Melanie you said oh let's explore this I was like yes mm-hmm. because yeah. the way that we talk about mental health in this country and the way that we talk about racism are both very unproductive and so I was like hey how can we uh, find the similarities and maybe this is the way to think about it because um, what we saw, especially last year, um, uh, when with the with the new resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement following the George Floyd uh, killing, um, we saw a lot of white influencers, uh, you know, occupy space. Uh, I don't know exactly what they were doing, whether it was trying to create awareness or not. But then I was immediately reminded of. Uh, of the way that a lot of influencers online use their platform to um, weigh in on issues of mental health. And I see a lot of hurtful language in the terms like, oh, if you if you feel depressed, just work out or, you know, um, go out or do this like where, where people. So 
we're failing, and and I'm saying specifically white people. I do think we're failing to understand uh, that we don't have the answer to everything. <laughs> that all of the ways in which we produce knowledge and produce ourselves, especially in a public phase, uh, in a public forum, uh, might be controversial. And this again ties back to what you said, Melanie. Why why white people are so adamant about why can't I use that word? Because it never happens to us that people tell us no, that we can't do something. And it feels so uncomfortable. It is aggravating. And and exactly I'm sure (laughs) that's true. And 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 thanks for the reminder. That's obviously like as a as a as a white man, uh obviously like yeah, it's it's probably a lot easier for me in the way to produce myself. uh, you know, in any kind of public forum, like the the amount of times I've been, you know, told that I was the loudest voice in the room, and that made me think, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit, you know. Um, oh, so I have to. Can I? I, yeah. I have to say something about what you just said. Yeah. And if you want to know what Melanie's response to my comment was, be sure to head over to Melanie's and Tamala's podcast called "Me, Myself, I, and You." and continue with the rest of the episode and the rest of our conversation. Or you can click the link in our in the show notes. We did right. that to make it easier for you. Um, and then if you want to, come back here and you can listen to our thoughts about it. So we hope you enjoyed the rest of that really insightful conversation. For those of you who haven't listened back to the rest of the conversation, we're going to give you another <laughs> minute to pause this and head on over. And for those of you who have listened to the rest of our conversation, I think we're just going to jump right into our respective takeaways, Tamara, right? Um, And one thing that stood out to me, and I don't really know what to make of this, but I definitely learned a new word, and it was uh, the oppression Olympics, uh, uh, which I obviously like as, you know, a gay man, especially sometimes in the workplace, like, I like to engage in because whenever the word like as a white man comes up in my mind, I'm always like autofilling, but I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it was really, it was really interesting. And obviously, you know, like a good moment of reflection to, to have the language. And so I really liked uh, Melanie, like telling me about the oppression Olympics. (laughs) Yes. I think, um, I think we had a version of that was, was the, um, the poor Olympics, like, if you grew up broke, like who's broker than who? It's kind of similar, I think. Exactly, and honestly, like most of the time, I do think that it that it misses um, that it misses the mark because what it does, and we talked about this obviously as part of the larger topic, that whole like self-inscribing your own kind of narrative into any given topic like specifically if you're talking about black lives and then saying oh but you know what i also had it bad or whatever like that's not the conversation we're having at the moment and i think that this is something that uh especially if we're talking about becoming more inclusive and diverse whether it is in the workplace or kind of with all of our actions um i do think it is important to remind ourselves that that is a process. Being more inclusive is a process and not a milestone. (laughs) And that will help you accomplish, you know, doing the necessary work every single day to sure be self reflexive and position yourself and, you know, 
the conversations of others, but not inscribing yourself in their narrative or in other people's narrative and then taking away from their experience. Yes. And I think that is something we all need to work on. And I think I think we do it. Um, and I'll speak for myself. I think I do it not not in this subject per se, but um, in general to you feel like you're relating to people to say, oh, yes, I know how you feel. Well, in this case, I think it's pretty safe to say we don't know how you feel. So that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to. You just need to listen. Yeah. And um, and you don't always need to have empathy. I mean, if you have empathy, that's great. But empathize about the right things. Like you cannot empathize about, uh, you know, the life experience of another person that you just don't share. So what you can offer instead, if you're, you know, like in conversations, like try to verbalize the feelings, like reflect it back. Like, am I understanding that this makes you really angry? Like, how can I support you? Like, like don't say, oh, yeah, this just feels like this thing that happened to me. No, it does not. Yeah. But you can you can observe and kind of then again put it into words how you feel that the other person or how you perceive that the other person is feeling and that will bring the conversation forward because that's a much more productive way of sharing in somebody's anger like it's it's a form of active listening and it makes everybody feel good and it also helps you understand things better and have a better understanding which i think we really need that's that's what we're trying to do right yeah, and here's the thing. I mean, it's obviously super hard and uncomfortable. We talked about this as well, like the discomfort that, you know, these conversations inevitably bring with them, especially like for, for us white people at some of the points. And I I think it is important that we all hold each other accountable for, uh, you know, continuing to have these conversations and to to get through them because what is just a little bit of a, and you said that, what is just a little bit of a discomfort for us is potentially a life-threatening situation for somebody else. So so I think normalizing kind of the words in our everyday, you know, like dinner conversations like white supremacy can go a long way because every time, and I know over the last year I've had, you know, a lot of conversations with pre- predominantly like white people about things that pertain to to race and racial politics in this country and and that is always that doesn't always go over well because you know i'm an immigrant so people are like ah, oh, what do you know yeah. <laughs> that's either that's a reaction or the other one is also like when i use words like white supremacy a lot of people feel very attacked and i think um and i think what will go a long way is if, if people understand the 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 ways in which white supremacy is still manifest and a lot of our cultural and political interactions and uh you know get as one of my professors would say get jiggy with that <laughs> word like uh she would say like oh really is this uncomfortable for you well you need to you need to deal with it because you need to learn about this so <laughs> absolutely yeah. yep it's it's uncomfortable but that that's not a pass to not learn about it and to not dig deeper right so we're going to do that. We're going to do that again next week um, when we talk to some mental health professionals who have um, obviously some more informed, uh, just some more <laughs> informed information. I mean, we're all talking about this as people, right? And we all have a right to our, our opinion, but we really are interested in hearing from some experts. And so please look for that next week. Absolutely. And I mean, honestly, I can't, I can't wait to, to have more of these discussions. And I just hope that 
this was a great example for other people to continue having these discussions. And in that spirit, um, you can have a discussion with us uh, via email. <laughs> and you can email us at <laughs> affectedbypod at gmail.com. Or you can have discussions with us on social via Twitter and Instagram. We're at affectedbypod there. Um, yeah. Yes. And uh, as always, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. And subscribe to me, myself, I, and you on your favorite podcast app. And also follow them on Instagram. Their handle is me, myself, I, and you pod. And look for some some insightful, entertaining content there. Absolutely. And with that, uh, a huge thanks to Tamala and Melanie uh, for, for partnering up with us on this episode. And we really enjoyed it. We did. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye.